When it comes to designing your self-storage facility, it is so imperative that you capitalize on the square footage and the efficiency of the facility as best as possible. You don't want to have to start redesigning a facility way down the development process. You want it right, right from the get-go. And that is what we're here to help you guys with. Follow the link below in the show notes, get in touch with us, and our in-house architect can start working with you today. Welcome to Self Storage Income. We are so excited about today's podcast. We are actually, we're not at home. We're down in Vegas <laughs> and uh, we are at the ISS show. So we thought we'd jump over to visit our good friend, Jeremiah, and we thought we would come here. We could all get together and talk a little bit about the industry. Why we're in your neck of the woods, man. It's only been, I think uh, you, yeah. you were on, uh, was it? Three months ago, fair. I'm, I'm terrible with time. Yeah, it's, it's been like, a minute. Oh, yeah. Has it been a minute now? Right. Been a minute. Yeah. Well, ISF. Do, or, you're or, due for another one. It, our event. That's right. We did the live podcast. That is right. Which that was awesome, by the way. With the I thought that was fun. We're here with the content masters. There we go. Let's go. <laughs> so exciting. We we uh, ISS has been going on for two days now. So we're we're down here, and we thought we'd get together and talk a little bit uh, about the industry. So yes, I, I, hey, we told you we would do it. We're doing it, yeah, and I, I'm happy to do it. Let's dig right in. Awesome, man. No, it's going to be exciting. Happy to be down in your neck of the woods. Uh, before the podcast, we were kind of talking about structure and what we wanted to do and talk about. And one of those things was, um, you know, how AJ, how you started, and what your thoughts were as far as how you built the, were building the company and where it was going and and where you needed to be and how you were going to you know, operate as a leader and operate and run the company and how the company was structured. And Jeremiah, you were kind of talking about some of those same aspects. Um, so, I mean, let's start there. I think that's a great, great topic to start with. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was one I would really want to talk about because uh, the evolution of a company, an entrepreneur, a leader, you know, this is a storage, you know, focused podcast and investing podcast. But with you guys, I think, you know, we all run a business. Yep. We're all entrepreneurs. And yes. for me, I've been in this 20 years. I know you've been in it for, for a long, long time as well. Yeah. What got me here is not going to get me where I want to go. Yeah. And you know, Tim's been with me six, seven years now. So we, the evolution of, you know, when I started, I was a hustler, a, a deal maker, you know, a, a guy that would refer deals, make fees, figure it out, bootstrap everything. You know, then I, I grew some assets, was a, learned investing, became a decent investor. And then, you know, that, the wheels started to fall off a little bit, you know, caught that 10 year, still 10 year wave in the market, sold some assets, still kept uh, kind of shoring up resources. And then I had to rebuild the company again. And this time around, you know, with storage and growing and having you know, 70 plus employees, it's really, it's what I've learned is, is the way I think, the way I look at things, the way I have to scale and have to communicate vision and strategy and the way I think and utilize my time so different. So different. So different than it's a, it's a totally different kind of leadership and different kind of means. It's it's completely different. It is. It is. I would throw around the, you know, people talking about CEO and, you know, you're yes. the leader of an organization. Yeah. But now I'm starting to really understand after getting training and then being in the trenches and scaling the capital that we raise and the assets under management, it's that I can't go do everything and I can't I can't be a doer. I have to leverage everyone else around me and the capital I have at my disposal. And the best thing I can do is think. And that, that to me is like, and he, you know, he's yeah. seen it and he's a part of it. I mean, he runs operations and I know you guys are a dynamic duo as well. 
I, I have to be very intentional with what I do now. And I, you know, when st I can't, you know, I'm sure the three, four, 500 emails a day, literally, right. You have no idea. Like the system and the process of, of the way I think and the way I have to organize people. And I have to translate this information. And we just had our executive leadership meeting down here, flew everyone in from our, our teams, our different departments. And it's like the, the key is communication. Everyone's saying, I need to know communication. So it's like that to me is like, it's, I want to know, you know, your evolution. And I want to know how do you communicate you, both of you guys throughout yeah. your organization, your visions and scale and leverage all those people around you. So it, it's interesting because there's really, you know, you're talking three stages of a company and, you know, we're moving into a much more mid-sized, like you are type company. And the break you're seeing is you're going from tight knit we're all doing, we're all on the same page all the time mm. to uh, specializ uh, specialization. So now individuals are specialized. It's not all working together all the time. Like everybody is doing certain things mm -hmm. at certain times and they need to be in their lane, but you need to be singular in purpose. And then you have to add in a whole new part of the organization, which is also management, which isn't singular anymore. Mm. And so this, this change, the swap from being small to mid-size is one of the toughest. And I think that most people, they either can't do it, they can't figure it out, mm -hmm. right? Um, or it just works out really, really poorly. <laughs> and uh, speaking from experience and having, and having gone through this and having to go through this, and it's an interesting structure, both on the company, the people that are working within the company, but then also the heads of the company and particularly the entrepreneur. Because entrepreneurs, we are a, a, a different breed. And what makes an entrepreneur so successful at starting is what will actually kill the company when it's trying to go to a mid-level. Yes. This dynamic of saying what got you here, it's not only that it won't get you to the next phase, it'll actually destroy you. <laughs> Detrimental. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's it's a hard thing to do, but if one recognizing it and understanding it, right, that's first. The biggest thing that I see that is difficult for uh, me setting up our companies is creating the structure that works at a new level when you don't know how it works. Meaning that, it's like, oh, well, the structure that worked here worked to get here, right? It's now changed. So now we need to build the next structure to get to the next level. But you don't know what that is. So now you're in testing mode. But unlike when you're an entrepreneur in testing mode and you have three people and the significance of moves and changes aren't really felt downstream because there is no downstream. Today, that's not how it works. The changes are felt downstream to lots of people yes. and lots of actions and maneuvers. So every change and every failure on restructuring within isolated is magnified. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. And failures are um, more public within the organization, <laughs> right? And so it's important to fail fast and it's important to not hide it. So one of the things that I did is saying, all right, we need to be different in our organization. And the best way that I can express this is first of all, trying to be like a leader for it. So I actually had uh, a friend of mine, Serena, come in. I said, I want you to 
what it was a week and a half or a week or something like that. Yeah, it was a week and a few days. Yeah, just follow me around and track everything that I was doing to find out what I was doing wrong. And then we did, we brought people in, the leaders, and we put it on. And she just talked about all the things that I did bad. And so we said, here's all the things that is not is happening that shouldn't be happening. And is AJ, not the organization, AJ. And then here's what he should be doing. He's not. So it's, here's what you're failing at that you're doing. And here's the things that you're not doing. And because of that, you're failing, right? So the idea was that I need to be different. We need to identify what those things are, but I need to lead the way in this saying, guys, this is going to be change. We're going to do things differently here. And it's, we don't, this isn't personal attacks. This isn't, we're not trying to be down on anyone. We're not trying to attack anyone. And so I'm going to try to lead the way here and say, please sit up there and tell me everything I'm doing wrong stuff. I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to think it is. We need to look at those items. We need to figure out ways. How do I need to be a new and better leader? I have to accept that. I have to take that. And I have to be 100% okay with that. The idea is that it is the goal. It is what we're trying to achieve that's important here, right? right. And we all need to be on board with it. And that this process that you're uh, going through, that we have been going through, it's it's hard. Because first of all, it's hard on uh, the individual, right? The new structure, uh, the people within it. And also, balls start to drop. Because now there's confusion. You better believe it. Now there's lack of communication in certain parties. Now there's friction where there wasn't friction before. Oh, yeah. And so it's like you open up a can, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like, ah, eh, all of it comes out. Yeah. And what happens is, as you're growing, the things that you did that worked really well now are being those friction points and they're causing problems that they used to work so well. Yeah. And it's like, all right, this is now not working. Now we have to change to work, but you're gonna change things and those aren't gonna work as well. And it's a brand new way to fail when you have been succeeding. <laughs> and that is tough. <laughs> that is very tough. Very, very tough. tough. That's the title of this podcast, A Brand New Way to Fail. <laughs> brand New Way to Fail. Let's go. <laughs> when you've been succeeding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And what also, you describe is exactly what we've been going so yeah. through. I mean, the exact yeah. same thing. The, the pinpoints, everything, exactly what we've been going through. Well, and it gets to a point when you're growing and you're growing as fast as you know, we have been, you have been, that the things that were little problems at at, at scale are, are big, big That's problems. Right, yeah. So you can't ignore them anymore and they can't be fixed quickly no, either. Right. And so that's why the change occurs and has to happen because it's like, I can't fix everything. You can't fix, we, it's who's in charge of what. Now we're missing things, everyone's overloaded, right? And this is a cultural change too that a lot of the original people, and once again, including the leaders, can have a really hard time with. Oh yeah. Because now it's what it, what, how we worked before and what it was, it it's changing and people can view change for the bad because it's now gotta be more structured. Mm. It has to be more organized. It. it has to be, no, this is your job, right? You need to be doing these things mm -hmm. and, and we need to move over and it can feel like you're losing momentum. And in fact, you can lose momentum and that's okay. Right. It, it, like we view it as this slowdown in the market, frankly, for, for us, I'm like, this is actually kind of nice 
right? Because you get to take <laughs> Perfect a step back. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like, hey, we get awesome. to work on organizational yeah. look exactly. in, right? So that's a good thing. And when you have a growing organization, we've, we grew by like 35% um, in personnel, right? In a short period of time. And a lot of those people came from outside the organization. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that you grow, the, the growth now is you're bringing very, very um, high-end people yeah. that are very knowledgeable. Oh, yeah. that have subject matter experts. Subject matter experts yeah. that are leaders, things like that. You're bringing them in to a culture that already existed. Yes, to do the same exact thing that you were just talking about, to tell us all the things we're doing wrong. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, come in. Yeah. Tear apart the finance department, tear apart the operations department, yeah. tear apart everything that we're doing and show us what we're doing wrong and make it better, make it more effective, make it more efficient. Again, it's not, it's not the process, it's the end goal. Yes. Um, the other thing you were just talking about, like the implementation of all these processes and systems and that from a like relations standpoint with employees and yes. personnel being an issue where again, so much of this comes back to leadership and, and being able to communicate the why behind the change to the teams and the people and getting people's buy-in. That's kind of another thing is not just making the decisions, you know, being able to get with the team and say, hey, here's what we're looking at doing. Here's the objective. How do we get there? Um, and, and letting them be a part of creating that process. But it's, it's interesting because they see, this is just a point that came to mind as you were talking about this, is it's interesting to see that dynamic of well, I'm, I'm being micromanaged now because I've got I've got these processes and now I've got these systems and now I've got these friction points and now I'm upset um, because I've only got to be in, in this specific area of the company or I've only got to do this thing or whatever. And I don't get say. Yeah, I don't get say. And it's it's interesting because the the implementation of those processes and systems and clear defined roles and responsibilities mm -hmm. is what's actually going to, to eliminate micromanagement like it's, it's the complete opposite yes. it's going to allow take a step you. back it's for leadership yeah. to walk away we're literally right. giving you a sandbox and saying here you go yeah. like play here here's the rules yeah play. exactly yeah yeah we're not micromanaging you yeah. report i'm not looking over your shoulder i don't need to know every day because yeah. i can't yeah exactly right so it's it's such an interesting dynamic you know humans are, are just complex it, creatures right it is and <laughs> we play the game of business right you yeah. know and luckily i mean our industry is is solid i mean we're yeah. in a good space uh, so some of the things that hurt the company that I did that used to help the company, that I have a serious sense of urgency and sort of yep. when we want to get shit done, we get it done. Right. Yep. And, and we force it down the entire organization in the past yep. where it's like, it's a priority, get it done now, you know, yep. and that mm -hmm. created performance. But now the ship is not the little, the, not the little yeah. boat anymore. Exactly, I mean, this right. is, this is a, this is a, yeah. a little bit of a, you know, like a cruise ship here. I mean, this thing is moving yep. and I can't just turn the thing on a dime. No. So sometimes it's not perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? We have to accept, like, don't, don't let perfect get in the way of good. Yes. Right. So we want to be, I mean, we don't need to be perfect at everything. We yes. just got to be good at the important things. Yep. So for, for us, like, I mean, we went through exactly this thing, flying people this here this whole week sitting them down and for me to communicate the vision and for you, you know, you do this throughout your podcast and you guys communicate this uh, to the public in terms of what you're growing and building and giving insight. You know, I never really put the emphasis on my team. Like I would do it, you know, on these yeah. types of podcasts, but you know, we would talk about it personally, but I, you know, not, I would never put the yeah. arena open and one is like acknowledge, like we, we closed a deal every 12 day, days for two years. 
yeah. a deal every 12 days. So it was like our our team was just going insane, you know? Oh, yeah, so wild. I had to acknowledge that like, guys, you know, like there's a lot we're, we're focused on in us as the executive team here, all of us, we hear the bad things because we don't, yes. you know, that's, we have to solve problems. That's yes. what we do. So, so to me, it was like, it was starting to turn into this with, with the new culture, you have to change the culture with new leadership. And we bring in also like institutional type um, yep. uh, leaders yep. where they come from large corporate governance, corporate uh, large companies around the, the, the world. And they, they are heading different departments. It, at first, it's a, th it's a threat, you know? Yes. And then I, you know, that was the last thing we want to do. We're trying to create support. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I got everybody in this room and, and we are like, we were like, okay, these are house rules, right? No, no one hold back this, we got to get, we, we, we embrace conflict, you know, yes. friends, families, they, they embrace conflict. Yes. People that don't care about me will not, they'll just say anything they want, you yes. know, but the people that love me are the people that tell me what's wrong. Yeah. So, so I was like, we got to get it all out right now. And I said, you know, I built this 20 years ago. This is the vision that I had for this company. And it's about creating value. Like we, I want to create value in people's lives, investors' lives, our tenants' lives, and our employees' lives. You know what I mean? And this is the arena that you live in. Like you're, you're not a spectator. You, you, this isn't social media or watching a movie. You, you, this is the one place in your life that you can have an influence on people. Yes. Like, and the, who you are at work is who you are to your kids and who you are to everyone else. Right? So we need to make sure that like you, you, if you want to be in this position, I'm going to give you everything I can to succeed. And I'm behind you, and this is our vision. Mm -hmm. So, but but it's like this is a choice that you you have to make. And then we're gonna, you know, we went into it like, okay, what are the priorities? What are the obstacles? What are the opportunities? Like, I want to hear, like you said, I want to hear from everybody here because I gotta know as the leader, and Tim has to know as the leader of the operations, what what is each department saying to us so we can make the right decisions. And then you know, it's a, a, a total different process. Totally different. Of now, how to get things done. Well, and lots of times too, one of the biggest problems is as the organization grew, the communication that, um, so the communication when we were small, when we communicated things, everybody knew. As we grew to, you know, 80 plus, 100 plus employees, all of a sudden, I, as I was communicating, it's like I still assumed we were small and everybody was, and that wasn't true. So all of a sudden, communication wasn't good. That seems obvious. But when you're in it every day, it's not. I know. And so when what we did is we did a survey to all the employees. And the survey said, how well do you understand the long-term vision, the long-term goals, right? And then it asked all these questions. And what we found was, all right, everybody said, AJ's vision is clear for the future. The short-term, though, vision to get to the long-term, they said, we're not as clear on that. So 80 plus percent of everybody said long-term, like AJ's long-term vision, we get that, right? He's that obnoxious around the office that we did that. <laughs> so now the short-term vision was like 40%. And that was eye-opening mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. because I was like, oh man, uh, I didn't realize. I thought it was really clear. So then we developed a strategy of putting together a vision tree. And the vision tree took, all right, this long-term big end goal that AJ is trying to do. Here's three, the three steps to get here. Mm -hmm. Here's the short-term vision, which is really that more to two to three. Then it was that more three to five or eight or nine. And then that gets just to the long-term. And so here's, and then broke that into departments and what, what your departments will look like and get to really kind of visually map out that 
vision and tree. So everybody's rowing, everybody's in the same direction, and we're all getting there. But that realization that the communication was happening said, we have to change our communication style now, and I have to figure out ways so that the bottom to the top, we all know we're all rowing in the same direction, mm -hmm. and there has to be consistency. So me running, hustling, trying to get stuff done, uh, one of my main jobs is to take advantages of new opportunities. So I'm looking at companies to buy. I'm looking at, you know, it's like you do have a big ship, but then too, you also have lots of little ships that are running around. Right, yeah. At an organization. We have multiple other strategies and companies within the one. And when I'm talking about some of those things, right, people get lost. Because then they're like, no, I'm in this lane. And I'm still acting like it's, 20 of us together and we're all just doing it right and it's like nope i have to change my communication strategy that is held for a different point in time yeah we talk about the vision and the goal and everything to fit and then when they hear me saying things like oh we're going to achieve this or we're doing this this is our new initiative what they have that vision tree so they i know what aj is talking about yeah. and i know i see how it's planned i'm not like all of a sudden going wait, we're changing our company, which is not the truth right. at all. We're not, right? We're still on the same course, but we got to do stuff on that pathway. And so changing me as the CEO, the entrepreneur, the guy starting, I, I had to change the way that I communicate. I have to, still have to work on it and move from more that entrepreneur to that, more that CEO organizing and have a very clear strategic method of communication all downstream to employees. And I, I, I didn't even realize I, I, the problems that were happening. Yeah. I didn't realize or understood. So we had to take polls and surveys and that was very enlightening yeah. to me. And it was like, wow, yeah. that's interesting. That I, I thought this was clear yeah. and it wasn't. And that was my mm -hmm. fault, right? Exactly right. So to so that point, AJ, I think that for you to take responsibility, right? For you to, to realize that, because you're working, you know, we're all working really hard and we're, we're creating a, on the surface success. And yes, we're more assets under management, more capital raised, more value creation, you know, profits is great. But to, to be honest and take responsibility that it's not, you know, it's not efficient and you know, as you scale, that, that this is a challenge here. Yes. Right? And people, there's, and there's conflict and there's confusion. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think for us, you know, Tim and I, we, where we had to get real discipline is in measuring, you know, measuring performance. And that is a really, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a played out where people say it a lot, but to in, execute it in an it's organization. Very hard. So, and it's so yes. critical, right? So critical. So once you identify those priorities for us, we had to take steps back. And really go, you know, we can't do it all. Like we have to pick up just a few handful of priorities in each department. And then we have to measure just one to five numbers, right? It's just something yes, in that part. Yes. And that, and too, that's important what you just said. One to five. Yep. Meaning that like, I see a lot of people that are like, okay, well, here's all my goals, things I'm trying to get a week and I'm going to report on this. And it's like 15 things. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Like your department like I, I view it as just like you said, four, three things. Here's the four, three things that we're winning at. Here's the four, three things that are important. Here are the four, three things that we're going to measure and, and keep it 
simple. I think that's really key what you just said. It is. And it's so hard to get caught up in the weeds nowadays with just the ease of data, you know, uh, yes. collection and softwares and things. Like it's just, it's, it's easy to collect, but it is a process to get the infrastructure in place to gather that data, to compile it into reports and to be able to report it and be able to have, you know, leadership analyze it and confirm that it is what it is. Like, yeah, kids, I want you guys to talk on the operation yeah. side to talk about that where with you, I mean, you have senior leadership, right? You guys, you have people answer to you and we count on you to execute on the vision, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So how, how do you guys both envision like empowering or creating a structure you know, and this is a tough question, but like, how do you get people to buy into that on the measuring side and how do you keep it consistent? Because we've mm -hmm. tried it, you know, and then we're, so. But yeah. Do you want to, do you want to take it? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it off. Like one of the biggest things for me is like, it's again, that change of perspective. We kind of touched on that a little bit with uh, the implementation of structure in general and process and these different things and people uh, and, and feeling like it's micromanagement. Um, but one of the big key factors that I've been really just kind of this, this drum I've been pounding for uh, my senior leadership is, hey, like, again, we're in this weird phase, right? Where leadership and everybody used to be in this little kind of room making all these decisions, you know, AJ, the team, everybody's right there and everybody knew exactly what was going on. Now, ownership and leadership is, is detached from all of that data, all that information, and they have no idea what's going Same. on. And now when something doesn't happen, it's not only that one thing that doesn't happen that ownership hears about. It's like, well, that one thing didn't happen. The whole thing's burning down. Like, what's going on? Like, is anything getting done? Like, because that that reporting structure just hasn't been there, right? So I've been walking them through this. Like, again, we're kind of in that teenage phase where we've got the acne and we've got, you know, we're gangly, we're skinny, whatever it is. Um, and now we're just, we're getting our man strength, I think, at this point. Yes. But uh, like, uh, we're, we're working on it. But getting that uh getting that structure in place for the reporting um is is allowing ownership i've been painting the picture of, of of this with the senior leadership and just telling them like this is going to allow them to see all the incredible work you're doing every single day right. like these metrics are driving the needle and this is the end goal and the why like here's the investor susie who's got all of her 401k money that was put into this fund like achieving financial freedom because of like you going out and making sure that district managers are doing their jobs, that, that managers are doing their jobs that, and again, all of those people, like everybody has the most important job, right? And that's really the picture that I've been painting for them is just the, the, the reporting is a measurement of, of all the good. And of course it, it's a measurement of all the bad too. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. if you're not doing your job, like this, what this isn't for you. Um, and it's, again, it's, it's, it's not personal. It just is what it is. Yeah. And, um, so that for me has just been a, a huge focus. Well, it just, you asked me something that was really, I think, impactful for me and made me think a lot. We were looking at this and it was some of those issues where I'm like, I don't feel like I know what's going on in the organization anymore. And as an entrepreneur, and when I, when it's my money, I'm backing the loans, everything, that's terrifying. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we have like a hundred million dollars in debt. And if I don't know what's going on, right? And so Connor, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so let me ask you, what would you need to know from, you know, each department that you would say, oh, okay, great. I know what's going on. Right. And then I can be out and then just, I have those reports. What are like the three things that we go, this is what you need to know that makes me 
not worry, not even need to think about it. And that was a really uh, good way to look at the reporting stuff to come up from my side, right? So it's different when you're when you are um, with employees keeping track. That's what I'm talking about. They, he, you know, they're doing that. I'm like, what do I need to get? And so if I had a dashboard of my company, and that's kind of how he, he, he asked it. If you had a dashboard, what would I want to open it up and see to say, great, I know what's going on. Like, I, I shouldn't need to ask. If I'm like really worried about like, just where are we? If I need to ask, where are we? There's a problem, right? We should avoid that. And I thought that was a really good point. If I'm sitting on the beach in Hawaii or wherever I am or at home and just said, hey, you know, where's everything at? I should be able to find that quickly and not need to all of a sudden start making calls and discovering, right? Mm -hmm. And I liked that. For me, like for me as needing to make the decision or anything, that's exactly the right question. Tim's right. getting turned. Oh, I love that. Say dash. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Fully Easy torqued team. right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, to go back to your point, like I use the KPI metrics with my senior leadership, not, not to only just highlight the losses, but really emphasize the wins. Mm -hmm. And that keeps them going and, and excited. Um, and then with the dashboards and all that, I mean, that, that's critical. We're actually in the middle of, of, of we, we signed up with Tableau. That's kind of what we're building our, our dashboards off of. And, and we're building out these these dashboards, and we use Salesforce, by the way. So you're using which Tableau is a Tableau? Salesforce product? The yeah. Salesforce product. Yeah. So um, and, and it's a hundred percent. The reason I'm trying to build these dashboards out is for what you're looking for. So he doesn't even have to come to me yeah. to find out what's going on in the company. You know, like how are we do on MHP. Well, you know, what's our age receivable across the board for our storage portfolio? It's all going to be there. So I mean, that's. It's a lot of work. I, I'm sure you could, you know, you know, figuring out what are the true KPIs you should be measuring off of, what are the the drivers for each business. Um, but you know, we're we're kind of halfway through, and, and I can already tell it's making my life a little easier. Mm -hmm. um, it's making uh, my employees' leadership's life's a little easier because they they actually have something to work off of. They know what they're working against, um, and I, I think he appreciates now that he has some actual metrics to look at and see how the companies are operating. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, I, the. It takes discipline. Management is a, is a skill, right? I mean, money follows management, you know, and it whatever gets managed, whatever whatever gets managed, it, you measure. I mean, when you're measuring something, you can manage it, and it gets better. And and I'm I'm the guy that's like I I like the visionary. I like communicating. I like the sales process. I like Why the creation. Yeah, and and you know, I am not a good manager. You know, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. me but, too. But at the same time, it's essential right. yes. at this stage. So for, you know, with Tim out there, it's like when we have these measurements, I believe our role as executives or in senior leadership in a company is you like, you know, we grew up playing sports together. We went to high school here in Vegas together. And, and I'm not going to put the linemen out, out on the wing. You know, when I, they're not going to go, you know, to be a D-back. Yeah. You know, it's just like, but I'm setting in the beginning of my career. I thought, ah, they these people are nice. They got to like... They're gonna they're gonna be honest and they're really they're they're positive and I'd put them in these positions and try to mold them into this thing yes. I needed and then and then they're miserable and they're pissed off at yep. me and I'm pissed off at them and like nothing's getting done and then it I created the framework that was setting them up to fail so yep as a bit done that plenty of times right and then as a, as a COO as as you guys here you know I believe you know, our vision is to give them the infrastructure so that they can. Every day this person shows up at 7, 8, 9 a.m., whenever they get in, they have a very clear uh, position. Like they are getting like, they are uh, just a good, good at their craft. They sit in their position. It fits to their strengths. 
and then they feel like they're getting successful and we can see progress and progress makes people happy. Yes. Right. You know, it's not because you can't just keep throwing money at people. It doesn't work no. anymore. Exactly. I don't understand some of these incentives on certain certain employees we're taking on. You know, it's not just about that. It's about progress. Right. And connection and with the yes. with you, with us, with from the culture, yeah. with the, the whole culture. Yeah. So I'm excited about it because I think that this is like you said, this is the real growth. Yes. In a company. This is the next level. Yes. And, and when we and we live and die by metrics and properties. But now it's time to do it in in, in the, house. In house. That's yeah. like in the house in order. Yep. Uh, treat it like you did a storage facility. That's it. Exactly yep. right. Ratio. Yeah. You, you're looking at the move ins, move outs, right? You're looking at it. You know the health of it. You're trying to make decisions on if you need to increase marketing or whatever. It's the company's the same way, and it's it, it's interesting too how you you mentioned how you set people up to fail, and I'm like, you know, that's like. I've done that so many times. I've done that to Connor all the time. I'm like, hey, take this all on. And I'm like, I'm I never right? fail. And I said, come on. Like, it's, when, it's important, too, that I think that leaders and, and entrepreneurs, you realize that. Because when I have to meet, especially with heads, when we realize maybe you're not in the right seat. Now, it's the moment you start to have conversations like that, people get extremely defensive. And it's like, no, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying your skill set is better utilized probably somewhere else. You're going to be more happy and you will do better. And the organization needs it for you. And I, I, I had um, uh, with one of our key employees, absolutely amazing. I, I, and it was sitting down and trying to explain to them, I did this to you. You're not happy, right? You're stressed out. And you don't want to lose your job, things, things like that. It's not because of you. It's because of the position that I put you in. I wasn't aware. And I just kept dumping stuff on you or whatever that was. So I want to help you out. It's, this isn't right failure. I need to fix that problem. I need to get you in a place where you can be successful, right? And instead of constantly saying, oh, you're not doing your job. That's right. Or why aren't you performing to a certain level? And as you grow, the weight of growth People can mask that. Mm -hmm. People can mask, I'm holding it all together. Right. But then when growth keeps going, it starts to break them down. Yeah. And then it shows up. And this is one of the hardest parts that I found about this growth to mid midsize. We now can see where some key issues are. And some of these are big changes that we, we need to make. And sometimes those people aren't ready to make those changes. Sure. And so it's having those conversations and doing it in a correct way with people that are key employees that you need. Right. And helping them realize and doing it. Because when you do that too, it is disrupt disrupting, right? It's it can slow things down and okay. there's short-term yes. pain. Yes. But you know you have to do it to have long-term yeah. sustainable growth and success. Yes. And we figure we we see these problems like. We're under no illusion that we do everything good. In fact, we find, oh, wow, these are really, really big problems that we need to change for us, for our investors. So once again, we do surveys, uh, surveys out to investors and surveys out to, you know, brokers and surveys out to right people. And it's like, let's just get feedback. And then we can sit down and have a conversation on what needs to happen. Um, and we try to make it into a solution discussion as opposed to a um, reprimanding discussion. Yeah. I'm not trying to reprimand you. I'm not like this 
it's working or it's not. Right. Not emotional. Right. We're just trying to figure out because it is best for them. They want to be in a place where they can progress and success. And if you feel like you're not doing that every day you go to work, they'll leave. Or yeah. they're you know, like, it's, it's going to be even worse, yeah. right? And that's a really hard piece to it. It is. I, I, that's a good point you bring up is where when you have, you're reallocating talent, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you either, or if yep. they're not talented, they, they're going to fall away. They're going to go with that. Yep. And then when you're doing that, you're, you know, it's constructive conflict. Yes. You get, you get right in there. Yeah. And if they fit the culture, right, if in, in their heart, they fit the culture and they fit the values that you have as a company. And I think that speaks to the leadership. Like if yes. great companies have leaders that have great values. Yes. Right. Because people just like kids, uh, I don't have kids, Connor, I know you have, you guys both have kids. Yep. They're watching you. They don't They're watching you. Saying. They just no. watch you. You know, and I, and I watch my parents, you know, yes. you know, and my dad works his butt off. So I feel uh, yep. like a scumbag if I don't work my butt off. Yep. So that, that whole thing is they're watching us, you know, and, and, and what's crazy is, you know, young people that want to come up and be an entrepreneur and CEO and investor, and you want to lead an organization, you know, it's not a part-time deal. No. <laughs> you know, you just check out. No. And you're right. And you, you just want to go blow off steam and, you know, you, you have a bender for a weekend and you think you're going to pull it all together, right? And yeah. just lead everything, right? That, that, that's not how it works. No. I mean, people, you know, every little decision that you make has an impact on the rest of the organization. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was, it, it, for us, it was like, okay, you know, it, this, is, this is something that we have to have that conflict. And if this person has those values, then you know what? Kicking and screaming, they're going to stay with the company if, if yeah. we incentivize it right. Yeah. And, and that we're, we're still, you know, we have that relationship. And the good thing that we've done is they've always came back and go, thank God you changed yes. where I was at yes. the company right. because I could, so much like they were the same, the same thing you said. They didn't want to acknowledge that I, I can't do it all. Yes. And, and in, in the way we both grown so fast, it was just like, if it outgrows, it did. And we didn't even, we can't even see it. They're yep. getting outgrown on it, but we just have to get the job done. That was one of the biggest problems that I had. I didn't even realize it was happening because you're growing so fast. And then all, whoa, we outgrew this months ago. This this individual person or something within the company, it hasn't been working for months, but we've been growing so fast we didn't see it. Right, right. And we have senses of urgency where you see something in the market. I want it fixed now. Yeah. I want change now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was an opportunity. Opportunity we got to take. Yeah, now. yeah. It's like, so we knew like as, uh, you know, growing up wrestling, like I'll, like sometimes empty the tank. Like this is, yeah. I'm going to go all the way to the limit. And, and if I, if I might lose, but hey, I got to, I got to push right now. And we had to push the last couple of years. Yep. Mm -hmm. So are there one or two things that you guys would have done differently going from that transition of a small company to the medium-sized company? Like if you look back and said, if I would have done that a little different, I'd be a little bit better off right now. Or Great is there anything that comes to mind when you guys, because a lot of people that listen to start yeah. own a lot of small companies, small businesses. I think being, so it, there is a tendency as a leader to, um, everybody is like, oh yeah, being a great leader is delegating, 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 delegating. What most people are saying is a great leader just gives other people work and, and, and hands off right and then walk away. And I think that delegating is different than being involved, giving tasks, measuring tasks. And I think if we would have done a much better job at measuring yeah. and having constant feedback, then it would be, we're delegating, but we are measuring and having constant feedback, those problems wouldn't have gone months. So the pro when I say a problem went on for months and I didn't know about it, that's my fault. That's not theirs. Like that, 
you know, right now that seems crazy to me that, oh, I would do that, right? And it's like, because now I know the repercussions of it and everything, but that's what happens when you're a growing company. We need the money. We need the opportunity. And when you're an entrepreneur, you're bringing that revenue and you're bringing that opportunity. And so you're just like, just take care of this. And at first, most people can do most things. But then as you grow, take care of this. It's not within their wheelhouse. You're not looking. You don't have feedback loops. You don't have ways to measure. You miss it. And so more consistent feedback to the individual between you two and measuring um, would have created faster, better change that doesn't fester, that doesn't grow. Now, obviously, we're not talking years, we're talking months, but when you're growing super fast, months is, six months is a lifetime. Yeah. Like, you know, in six months, we grew 35% in personnel. And so if it's growth, but measuring and having communication, open communication and feedback, little things like that, setting it up so that is, you know, automated and done correctly, that would have changed, I believe, a lot. People would have felt more heard by me, meaning like, okay, you're talking to me, I understand what's going on, right? And there would have been more of a constructive uh, uh, problem solving predicated on data and information that we have received. And it wouldn't be defensive, meaning why didn't this happen? This was supposed to be done months ago, or why is this a problem? How come I didn't know about it? Now, I'm defensive and mad. I'm frustrated. They're defensive and mad, right? right? It's like, they should never, ever, ever get to that point. And if it does, that's my fault. It's not that something went wrong was necessarily my fault, but that I didn't catch it, fix it, and change it immediately. That's that's the fault of the leader. That's a great response. I mean, like, most people think, oh, maybe I just go out, hire eight players from day one, but you don't have the resources right. at the time oh, you don't have to, to, to pay for the AP. Yep. That's right. So yeah. that was a great response. Yeah. No, that was gold. I, and so mine would be, would, would be right before that step in terms of my framework of the strategy of how I would do it again. I had to go through what I did to, to know this now and we've seen it happen. So anytime I'm doing something that I was doing myself, you know, cranking the lever to yeah. produce results, I should have been training. So yes. even if I didn't have, you know, the the resources, number one, even before that, I, I had to prioritize. I mean, I I see, I learned where I needed to condense my energy, and now I'm very efficient with everything I do. And it before I was trying to do so much. I was trying to, you know, we were trying to do a ground up here, do a value add conversion here, do uh, you know, retail here. We we bound, we tried so many different things, you know. We, we would hire this type of person here. You know, you have to go through that. But what I would do again is go, okay, what, what is the true goal? What is the vision that I'm going after? Okay, and then the 80-20 rule, what are the 20% of the things that I, could, I have to create in this company in order to get this, you know, if it's $500 million of, of value creation, you know? Or it's like, how, if that's my 10-year vision, I was doing things that weren't getting me to the vision, but I was so worked up in busy okay just getting, getting you know yeah. notching winds under our yep. belt and some yeah. things and you get all scatterbrained so, so yeah the two things i would do is condense my priorities and then communicate them across the people so every time i'm talking to somebody is this a key priority then why are we talking about it yeah you know like like i'm okay with not talking about it because i only got you know in the beginning we had five guys and then we had maybe 10 more guys and it's like we could have really maximized that versus you know everyone running around trying to do everything so so many different ways 
And then how can I train you in the things that I'm great at? And how can I, you know, bring in leadership where we can train you to just focus on the priorities? Like it's okay if not everything doesn't get done. I'm going to throw a wrench in, in this whole thing now. The problem is this. If we would have been really good at that, we would have never gotten to where we are. <laughs> so one of the things that people vastly underestimate when they start is your absolute need to grow and to get revenue, to get people in, to have action. And you don't have the resource to hire. It's not like you're going to go out and hire all these A players. We're going to fund everybody's salary. We're going to just, we're going to spend a year building infrastructure. <laughs> No, that's not how it works. There is no infrastructure. We need money. Yeah. I have yeah. to talk to investors. Yeah. I've got to get a property under contract. If that doesn't happen, right. it doesn't matter what I'm teaching an employee. It doesn't matter what kind of feedback we're having because the feedback is I don't have money to pay your salary. That's it. That's the feedback. Yeah. So it's a, it, like, I think it, it's easy to look back and be really hard on yourself. Like, wow, I should have acted like I was a mid-sized company when I was a small company. Right, right, right. But that's why lots of times to corporate and more of that structure think they have a really hard time in entrepreneurship. It's they think it's supposed to be set, structured in certain ways, everything else. Entrepreneurs are not like that. When we start out, we're scrappy, we're running around everywhere. And it's like, I don't care, I'll do it all myself. Right. And I can, and I know I can, right? right? And that works really well at first, but then it collapses. And so the fact that you've recognized, oh, I need you, and this is what I would have changed, perfect. That means you're ready for the next level, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the time, that's not who you needed to be. Right. And it's not who I needed to be either, yeah. right? I needed to be doing content. I need to be talking to brokers. I need to have those meetings. I need to be having investors, right? Now, if you looked at everything that I did, now I don't do the vast majority of it. That's somebody else, right? And I think growing out of that is really hard individually because you're like, wait, I'm the expert. And it may be true. The person that's doing that doesn't have the knowledge base that you do because you've been doing it longer. It's your company and everything. But that doesn't mean you can get involved. It's it, You have to let them get the knowledge. You have to let them get organized, right? And do those things. So one of the hardest things for me has been just staying out. Just staying out. So like I was, I, I decided I'm like, yeah, I, I want to jump in because I'm excited. This is fun for me. I love this. I love seeing everybody. And I'm like, hey, I've got an idea, right? Nope, nope, no more ideas, AJ. Stay <laughs> up, right? So uh, I've been gotten to a point where I'm like, all right, if I have a break between meetings, which is weird because I do now, uh, I didn't used to have ever a break. It was literally 7 a.m. till 8 o'clock at night, straight, straight, not even a break to change meetings. It was just switch. I, I have breaks now. Um, and so now if I have a 30 minute break between my next meeting, I want to go jump in stuff. So I'm like, now I'm like, go for a walk. So I just walk out of the office. I go and I'll go for a loop, follow the river up, come back down. So I go on a lot of walks now. Uh, and the reason I do, I'm like, get out of the office. So I don't go interrupt somebody. So I don't get involved. That's my time that I take to take notes, to talk, think through different communications. I'll do some emails, things like that. But at least I'm just kind of a way to let people operate and not jumping in until, you know, I figure out. So it's a different mode. You, you know, I'm changing where it, the leadership is changing. I'm focused way more today on talent, recruiting, bringing in people and making larger connections and doing the things that nobody else can do in the business. Right. So it's a different type of leadership. And that can be, that can be a big struggle to move out of. Did mm -hmm. you take a note on the walks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
When you guys are looking at property management software for your storage facilities, there's a ton of options out there, but no other option compares to Tenant Inc. Tenant Inc. is going to be your one-stop shop solution that has an amazing amount of tools that you can deploy at your fingertips to maximize the value of your facility, to operate it more efficiently, more effectively. They have an open API where you can back in almost anything you want. You own your data, and it's just an incredible solution. I can't say enough good things about these guys. Link is in the show notes. Be sure to check out Tenant Inc. All right. So right now we're done with um, our therapy session here on uh, going <laughs> shifting gears, to guys. So I just want to try exactly, um, and our uh, our our struggles inside. We want to go now to talk more externally, the industry before um, we end this and talk about some things that are changing, what's uh, happening, and where we're at. Uh, we want to get some of your thoughts and feedback. Uh, it a lot of changes happened in the last six months in our industry. Um, a lot of people, I know a lot of operators that have been laying off employees. Um, they are not getting deal flow. They're not getting growth um, that they expected. And because those the, that fees are not coming in, because those things are not happening, their projections for year out, what they expected to happen this year, have been blown out of the water. So it's like, okay, we thought we were going to allocate $100 million. We're not, right? right? As, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. And you saw this from the REITs down, yeah. right? The REITs were like, oh, we're going to, uh, you know, whatever, buy $2 billion, oh, maybe $200 million. Yeah. So it's it really has uh, adjusted because the inventory is not there. The inventory that is there, there's a huge spread between buy and ask, right? Huge. Now, I think fourth quarter will get better. But as of right now, we look at it and we're not laying people off. We're, we're hiring, but we're taking the time. Um, you know, we went through this after 2008, we're taking the time to get better, bring in talent and the deals that we're doing, it's all about quality. And we're trying to get, take the opportunity to get the best deals possible. So we're getting things like seller financing deals and we have our fund that's open up. That is all a fund that's created, uh, specialized on distressed. It's more, Hey, there's these opportunities. Other people can't take advantage of, and that, that's going really well for this time period, but volume, right? We view, this is not a year of volume. This is a year of quality internally and externally. I, I just don't expect mass deal flow. Maybe, I, I think it'll pick up in the fourth quarter. That's my assumption mm -hmm. is we're waiting for the busy season, right? Mm -hmm. And then more people come to the market, but I still don't think it's going it, to, don't, I don't think it's going to all of a sudden, boom, we're going to have tons of deals. What do no, you yeah. The feedback from ISS, right? We just walked the show. We walked our, we heard our 10, 10 brokers and buyers and from institutions down to guys our size. Looks from from my perspective, anything with trailing six real cash flow with NOI still trades pretty well. I mean, it's still you know it's still it's trading yep. six 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 and a half, which some people say that's not well. They want it five yeah. more. I mean, it was crazy at one point. Yes, but I mean, cash flow is king right now, and and we see it right. So, and, but I think there was a lot of product that's not stabilized. A lot of our product. I mean, yes. we're still we added so much value over the last three years. We we're not all the way there. Yeah. And so I think that that the onesie twosies decent markets now I think they are the the REITs and, and the buyers they're looking in these different markets that they never looked before right they're seeing it storage works in tertiary suburban markets it's not just an urban business but that, I think that's here to stay it's going to keep you know we talk about it every time we get together yes. so yeah I mean that that's a fundamental change in the business. And as automation comes, we'll see where that goes with it. Yep. But it's coming, you know. We just, I think it's a little. There's more to it than there's more to it than yeah. of course I am. Exactly. But yeah. Yep. 
And, and on the other side, I think the portfolios now haven't traded as high. I think over the last six months, I feel like institutions are not looking at potential of portfolios. They're looking at where's the portfolio today? 100%. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then they're to, they're backing out, they're retrading, yep. you know, so that- Banks don't care about potential right now. That's it's it. like, I, I cash flow. I, I don't care. And you it. service this debt. Not tomorrow. Yep. Today. Same. REITs too. Return on yield. I mean, return on capital. Yep. What, what, what are we getting right now on our capital? Yep. No more CFO, six cap projected deals. You know, when you get filled up, stabilize. Uh-uh. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were, so for that, that's, that's a big shift. But I, I like it. You know, we always talk about this too when we get together. You know, we cater, I believe you cater to the small operator that's trying to build a self-storage business. Yep. One, two, three, four, five facilities. I think anything under 10 facilities, you're not going to go crazy. You don't have to big, have a big organization. No, very, not at all. Right? It's very sustainable. Yep. You know, we all did a great job up to our first 10, 10, 20 facilities yep. there. So in that, I think this is the time where opportunity exists, where going back out, building the relationship with the mom and pop, finding it, you know, the, the core fundamentals that you taught me when I first read your book, you know, seven years ago, whatever that was, when it first came out, what, you know, location is critical, visibility, pricing in the market's important, competition, reduced competition is key. If it's all mom and pops around you, you're going to be the leader in the market. Yep. If you can smell an egg McMuffin, or if you can see a Walmart, you know, man, yep. it's going to work. It's going to be good. Yep, no matter how small that population is. Yep. So those are the things that, you know, that, that's not going to change. Yes. So those guys, and now, like you said, when finding, that's how I got in the, the business, financing sucked on mobile home parks. Yep. And I, I was crushed from the, the 08 crash. So that was to an advantage. So I could yes. go in, you know, get that owner financing. As long as it fits those fundamentals, but it looks like crap and it and it's not institutional size, but you got some scale there. I mean, that that's that's here. To, that's still a huge opportunity for the guys that are listening to your podcast. Oh, I think there's more opportunity for people starting out than there was three years ago, and this is why. For the last three years, it's a spread on capital gain that they're always going to lose. Who's going to pay the most? And then the people that have the cheapest cost of capital. That's it. They were never going to win that game. Never, ever. That game from the big funds and everything has basically fallen apart. And so when we look today at outside first tier big facilities, right, things like that. But if you're talking about small facilities, if you're talking about third tier markets, fourth tier markets, fifth tier markets, right now, you're getting solar financing. You're getting reasonable discussions. It's not a lot, meaning it's not like any, everybody's selling or anything, but the ones that are talking, the ones that are going through, it you have that edge now. It, and you're not competing with big money mm -hmm. uh, like you were before. And so I think that just like you said, back to the basics, fundamentals right now, right? Fundamental operations. Occupancy today is not given because you are sitting there. That is a change okay. and people are not used to that. Right. Before, if you had a storage door, you had occupancy and that's just how the market went. That is not normal. That never existed prior to the last three, four years. And we are going back to a normal storage market, yeah. which means you got to earn it. Yeah. You got to earn occupancy. Yeah. And that's going to shock a lot of people. And the people that understand and know the basics of how to get a tenant, the good location, right? That, that traffic count, operating a good facility, delinquencies low, right? Making sure you're doing effective rate management. Mm -hmm. um, that's the winning strategy. It's back to the basics. And so I think that people coming in, 
They can go find it's you're going to work three times as hard to get a property, but you're going to get a better deal than you were two years ago. Um, and you're not going to just be beat out by price because right now financing matters. And right now in small markets on small facilities, everybody has to get financing on those that are going into there. So you're in a better position when buying a worse position on executing. And I often talk about the scale. When prices are super high, execution is really easy. The scale shifts. When execution is really hard, prices are low. Right. And you gotta get comfortable with that. If you want a decent price, if you want seller financing, you gotta understand, you gotta work harder. Execution is harder. If you want execution to be super easy, then you're gonna pay the price. Right? It's like, that's how these markets work. So starting out, money's not super easy. Execution is not super easy. So what are your strengths starting out? It's the work. Outwork other people, do take the time, do the deals, and you're, you're, you're in a good spot. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And I, I think if I had to start over and do it all over again right now, like if, just from scratch, you know, I would stick, I would not, I would not get away from the location being subpar locations. I think that yes. the worst deals that I did have no visibility. Right. Yep. Absolutely. No, no matter what, Google is not yep. going to bail you out. No. no and it, nope, it won't. And, and, you know, we got bailed out on a lot of other things with the market being strong. Yes. What I noticed is if you're in a, you don't need to be in a big market. You yep. just got to be in a, the central area of town with decent visibility with your signage, you know, or have a be off the interstate where it's easy to get to. If I could have went back and I could only have done, you know, a handful of deals over the last five years, I would have picked that number one, right? Is that shit, it has to have a great location. Yes. And then number two, meaning just what I said, visibility and around other trade areas in the town. And then number two, you know, you got to watch the competition, like you said, where re rents, obviously not, it can't be oversupplied, but rents in that market have to be at a minimum threshold yes. for you to un to really spend your time on it. You hundred percent of small deals and we bought some tough markets. We looking back if we could have just really, uh, we, I would have, we would have done for us, it's you know, right around 10 to $12 minimum on your annual rent. I know it, you guys have some massive facilities in different areas, but that's our threshold with the resources that we have yeah. where we had to get enough income on this sucker or it's not even worth it. hundred percent. So we, we are, our theme for the year is quality and focus. So internally quality, we're doing everything. Communications with investors. We've got to improve that. We've got to be quality. We've got to be the best at that. Um, our deal flow and acquisitions. We've got to be so focused and their quality has to improve. What we're buying, the quality has to improve, right? And we got to be focused. Investors, quality, focus. When we're talking about facility management, quality and focus. Occupancy, rents, best looking asset on the market, right? And it's just like we, everybody should be looking hyper down. Location, these things don't matter only when you were in the last three or four years, right? But when people have options, those little things matter a lot. And the marketplace, when given options, does what the marketplace does. It chooses the better options. And, uh, and a lot of people, I think you're right, it's been masked. Yeah. And a lot of us, we didn't even know, yeah. us included, on our own individual properties. So self-storage is going through a discovery mode. 
right now. <laughs> and it's all of a sudden starting to figure out here, uh, which was momentarily covered up and we thought, and which is returning to a normal. And this is, it, it, it's a great thing because it was way overdone. Everything was overdone, right? I wrote that the self-storage bubble, whatever it was, a year and a half ago, and everybody was like, what are you talking about, man? And it's like, listen, it, you know, bubble was a catchy thing, but really what I was talking about is you, we will revert to what it always was before. I was so shocked by what happened in the last four years. Like you, you could have never predicted it, right? And it was so artificial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now people are in two camps. They're either super scared and they go, oh, well, self-storage isn't gonna be like it. No, it is. It's gonna be a great asset forever, right? Or opposite, oh, it's going to return. It's going to go back to like who it was the four year, next the last four years. Right? Neither one of those things are true, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That's actually good. So adjust quality. Let's get back down to the basics. Let's build great businesses. And you need to buy a great asset in a great location, good rates, operate it, awesome, and you're going to do so well. That's it, man. And, and I think that quick, easy money got people addicted to the yes. to the deals and now they it's hard for them to understand the real aspect of storage and real estate right except the reality yeah yes. and there is downside actually it's yes. not always up yes you know yeah. people though haven't lived through that no yet. they haven't and what we it's shocking how many people raised hundreds of millions of dollars and they've only been in the business for four years and they it, it was this idea that right? This was normal and that this was uh, coming. And you're right. It's, it's shocking some people. Yeah. And, um, and people look like geniuses where they built a three-story facility outside of a, you know, not a, I mean, not a huge city, but they were able to dump it in the heyday and make millions of dollars, never even fill it up. Yeah. And we were like, me and me Tim were like, he has a development background and we're like, what are we doing this wrong? Like, yeah. like why, why they need six million bucks. Yeah. And they're like, why, why are we doing five deals to try to yeah. six million bucks? Right. These guys yeah. just built it, didn't do a thing and sold it. But the amount know, of opportunity that we passed on, which normally people would look back, man, I should have done like 10 years ago. Like I should have just bought everything. And, and it's like, you're right. But I'm not sad about all the opportunity we missed because mm -hmm. I didn't know when the next shoe was going to drop. You were so, gambling. Exactly. Like, I'm not oh, gambling. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, we we remain conservative because going through 2008, like you did and I did, that was horrific. Yeah. That was not, people either forget or weren't around, right? That was not good time. So always saying at any moment that next shoe could drop, that served us very well. Mm. And we're doing very well. We're hiring more people and stuff because we didn't do those things. We didn't develop it up, flip it at CO, right? I mean, in the last two months, I've talked to four developers that are struggling they're going going under right and you would say I, when looking at it it's like oh man are developments just failing and then i look at it and i'm like no what did you do like <laughs> you thought that this was going to work like that should have never in any normal circumstances played out right, right? right that was set up for failure the but they they had been doing it the only reason is the market bailed them out right of course but it was like that should have never worked right though and now those things don't. That's it, right? And we we had a you know for ten years, it was like protection of the downside. You know, multi units, affordable housing, multi multi units at our storage, leverage. Don't get don't go crazy right out of the gate and go build a hundred thousand feet anywhere. And uh, and that defensive strategy finally 
pays off, yeah, you know, we're not like, oh, okay, that's the other side of it is like, you can't cover your debt, you know? So we had to be, I think for the, the guy that's going to develop a facility, you know, for just to like the advice I would give is, you know, if you can find a small facility that you can expand or you can develop a, a facility on, you know, three to eight acres in one of those markets where you can see Walmart and, and McDonald's and all those things, it's it's seven years it can be. I mean, do it yeah. in phases. We, we're doing a, a property in Maine. You know, we went, we got 80,000 square feet approved. We're down to, you know, 18 to 30,000 feet phase one. Yeah. You know, so I mean like under yeah. 30,000 square feet, let's do it slow. And then let's, you know, do the next phase in two years when we have proof of concept. And then let's do the final phase, you know, and if needed and have that tough conversation with the bank. If, if we, you know, we have to extend our construction loan, but there's no reason to, to try to think you're going to, you know, yes. get greedy. Right. Yes. And then you're going to hit a home run. Because that that artificial lease up demand, I don't know, man. I think the, people are listening to your podcast. They they get excited about storage. Yes. So so that's something that they need to understand. It's like like you yeah you probably, you've been saying it, but they, they don't just fill up anymore. They don't just fill up. And it, it, when people don't understand the impact to of location size, and the math should speak to itself. But I'm shocked at how many people that are building a hundred thousand square feet in a population of 30,000 people and think that it's going to fill up in a year because they saw somebody else do it. I mean, and I'm old as that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at it and you go, do the math here. The math is if 10% of the population is using storage, that's 3,000 people, right? How many storage facilities are currently there? And then those people are already using it. So what's the growth rate on that 3,000 people? You have a, you know, whatever it is, 800 to 1,000 units. Like, yeah. you're, it's, think about how much that 3,000 growth rate has to be and how long it takes if you're, if that city is growing at 1%, right? To, then how long is it going to take yeah, you to yeah. fill? And that's assuming that everybody folders no one. It, it's, I'm looking at sites where like 500,000 plus people, we, I feel confident that high demand, 500 plus thousand people, there's the volume enough to fill up, do it good, three years, right? Things. right. But expectations, uh, and I think that, that that was the problem. It was everything through the last four years has been the same. It didn't matter where you were, it was a forecast. It didn't matter what you did, you filled up. It didn't matter how good of a manager were, you were raising rents, right? And uh, today we're learning, you know, Location on development is important. Timeframes change. It's not one year. It's three years. In some markets, it's four years, right? Five years. And uh, um, we need to be analyzing those things appropriately. It's not that, dude, what we're saying isn't a bad thing. No. No. Like you, you just said, and this is what we're telling people too, you do it in phases. So if I'm in a small market, you can't, and I and I told somebody, if you're in a, if you're in a market below 50,000 people and you're going to put 50 thousand to a hundred thousand square feet on the market, you don't know what the demand is. I'm like, you can't, there's no way you can accurately measure that. Now, does that mean, oh, you should never do that? No, not at all. I have facilities in populations that are less than 30,000 people, but I know that because I can't measure demand that accurately, we either do need to do a small or you do phase because then you let the market tell you just what, just what you said. You phase it out, it fills up. Okay. We have enough demand here. These types of units people want. Let's do the next phase. Mm -hmm. We filled it up. People like these types of units. Do it exactly. right. Exactly. Then you can. The market can tell you what the demand is, 
and that will keep you safe. Not only the general demand, but just exactly like what you said, this unit. Like they this like this unit. unit. They like yeah. this yeah, product point. type. Like because yeah. small markets, you're getting that data. Yeah, you're talking about a small population that may want five by fives yes. or ten by tens. There may not be any demand for that, but you're thinking that there's demand for five by five, or you may think that there's demands for ten by twenties because Bob has ten by twenties at two hundred and fifty dollars and he's full. And you're like, but Bob has only three ten by twenties. You're building a hundred. <laughs> it's that's. It's not the same thing. You know what I mean? It's like, you got to look way more, like we said, back down to the basics. You got to be counting those doors, counting those people, testing that market. And if you just do the simple, the basic things, everybody, you're kind of create wealth and income. What what baffles me, it's so funny when you, you know, like learning the the business with you and uh, this evolution of the business. Now I see how corporate America looks at at business and at customer, uh, when you're formation, customer retention. I mean, you literally, you're looking down on this this board, this game board, and and you're we're analyzing undersupplied markets, right? Yep. And it's it it's crazy how predictable human behavior, especially in it's, America, is. Oh yeah. Where I mean, you don't quite know how many square feet per person is going to be that median that's going to hit. Maybe the South is higher, more people store down there, or in the Northeast, it's a little bit less. But it's crazy, like you. It really does work where if, if you look at your geographic um, boundaries where, I mean, is, is if there's an ocean or a river or something there that cuts, you know, half of that, that three to five mile off, you got to take that out where you're not going to, you can't get to the other side of the freeway or, or this other area that's going to tie from that population. Look at who the real people are in your trade area there and who, where they're coming from, you know, understand, like really think it through. Like, are they driving from different areas? Are they going to these stores? Are there, is there traffic through there? Are they working this area? And then it just... Sure as shit, like th- these things just, it'll just go right to the mean. You know what I mean? Like yep. if they're, if they're undersupplied by three or four feet per person, it just somehow, goes you know, right there. it just fills right to the mean. But yep. if you get greedy and you try to go, you know, 13, 14, 15 square feet per person, yep. you know, unless you're in Florida or Texas and who knows, yep. that's going to hit eventually. That's going to eventually like, you know, where they can't build any more down there, it's not going to fill. We're seeing huge drop off in rates. So, you know, I saw... Some people posting online different rates through Texas and everything where it last fall they had rates at like almost two bucks, third a buck thirty today. And so it's it's happening through the market. That's I mean, right. Meridian, Idaho, where right. we're from, I look at 35% drop in that market on rates. 35%, right? So and that happened in like a three-month period of time. So the market is adjusting, right? And it's but because people pushed it and pushed it a little yeah. over. And now it's like, whoa, we got to pull back here. Oh, yeah. We, we got to pull back to reality. We've got to figure out how we're going to deal with this. And that's going to keep happening, right? Oh, yeah. The economics, and we're getting 12 to $18 rents, and we're building for less than 70 bucks a foot or 80 bucks a foot. Yeah. If land's under 10, 20 bucks a foot, like why anyone that develops is going to go, this is math. It's easy. Here, yeah. you know, I'd rather do this. But you're right. There's like, if there's only so much. Only so much. Have, so it's okay to do 40,000 feet. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, Absolutely. I think that like that's someone starting now, I, they, they go too big, too fast. Mm-hmm. Too big, too fast. Yeah. And two, they don't focus on the basics. They hear that's things right. like storages, recession proof. They hear, like, I mean, so many people I've even heard, they're like, man, you just build it and they just fill up. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> It's like the dreams, like, yeah, yeah, like it's just, it's, and they don't think of the customers. Like, you've been always yes. saying, and you're, it's you're the customer. Yeah, like, who are your real customers? Where are they coming from? Like, are you really thinking through where this yes. business is going to grow? Every door has a person. 
Every door has a person. Who is it? What are they going to pay? Where do they live? How do they live? How do they find you? If you can't answer that for every single door, you've got to be worried about building. Exactly right. Well, Good. we're at the end of the right. time here. This so, been so yeah. fun yeah. podcast. Yeah, I love listening to you guys. This you guys can just keep going. Isn't it great? That is. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Anyways. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks well, you before guys. we kick it off, where can people find you guys? Yeah. Patriot Holdings. If they want to yeah. get in touch with you, Jeremiah. Yep. Uh, PatriotHoldings.com. Writing the next book, The Money Edge, talking about the fascinating subject of tax strategies. Love it. So it'll put you to sleep, but you know what? It'll save you a lot of money. Right. Tight. Great. So, uh, also they can check us out at, um, social media, LinkedIn. Yeah. All that good stuff. You guys have. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put them in the, the show notes. Everybody get at, uh, Jeremiah. Awesome guys. Thanks so much for hanging yeah, out. Yeah. Thank you guys. It guys. It was yep. Great. Thanks. Great. If you haven't already, we have our private self-storage community. It's nine bucks a month, but it's where people get exclusive early access to everything from our events. But Really, we open up the storage vault, and that's webinars, underwriting, they finding deals, seller financing on all these different topics. They get, which are basically almost courses, but they also get access to our deal analysis tools, um, and it's a private Facebook group. The community is full of people that are either trying to get into storage or already in storage. So it makes it for a very dynamic group. Ben Franklin asked a question, and, and I'm going to try to get this right here. I, I think I know what you're alluding to. Um, basically, he's asking a question about underwriting on properties that have room for expansion and additional um, maybe RV or parking, so diff- additional lines of revenue, or you could bill more on, but he's not being competitive on it. And he's asking, do you think un- other people that are um, bidding on these deals, other investors are underwriting with that in place? The answer is yes. A uh, lot of people will be underwriting with um, the expansion in place or other lines of revenue, and that may get them more competitive on it because they see a bigger margin for it. So this is a line you have to be careful with, and that is buying something and paying for something that is not there. Well, all uh, so you don't want to obviously pay for something that is totally unknown. You don't know if you're gonna get it or not. But at the same time, the potential for it does hold value. And especially if the potential is a very sure thing. It's in the middle lots of times somewhere. Generally speaking, I don't like to pay for potential, okay? Now, understanding that some owners have value built into the asset that may be prime land, that they know that they can sell, not even to you or a storage operator, but they may be able to sell for other purposes and they want to see that value transferred. Now, that individual may have access to that part of the land differently, but if you have like a sliver of land or a piece of the land, but it's not a lot, but you could expand for it. We don't really look at that. That, That's like, okay, if we do something with it, great, we can. Now, if it's a major expansion play, if there's a lot in it, and we look at it and say, we can add, you know, 50% more revenue for it, are we able to get more aggressive on the price? Because we say, yeah, because obviously, we know there's so much upside potential in that, that even if we're more aggressive on that pricing and we pay a little more than we wanted to, it's still a killer deal with the rest of that revenue. That's how people are looking at those expansions. 
and it's a balancing act that you're going to have to fill because every single market is different and every single property is different. Um, I do not pay like CO deals. We do not pay for potential that is acting like it already exists, but I will get more aggressive because and pay more of a premium for potential uh, value that is clear, easy to capture, and we really it, it's we can underwrite this and we know we know the demands there and we know know that that revenue we can capture. Now that opportunity changed for us, so we will absolutely be more aggressive and take a look at that. It is a balancing act, though, so please remember that. Right. It, Either way to the extreme is not good. You don't want to lose out on a deal that is a home run deal, incredible potential, because you have to pay a little more maybe than you wanted to, but it still made sense. And you definitely don't want to pay for a potential that is not there that you don't even know if you could get all of it, but you're paying as if it does. Um, that happened a lot a few years ago. And when times were really hot, not a winning strategy in many of those cases. Lots of those cases like CO deals today, unless they're in stellar markets, are, are struggling. So please watch that balancing act as you go through.